It's time for the Overtime Podcast. Along with Brandon Spratt, I'm Pete Wagner. Missing from tonight's lineup out as a healthy scratch is our very own Matt Harrington. Brandon, I think we're going to do just fine, though. You know, as you, as the uh, host of the show, you got to make tough calls sometimes, right? And and uh, put him up in the press box for the night. Well, he's got to give it a look. <laughs> he's getting a little selfish, not moving the puck the way we want that's, him to. That's right. Not good in his own end, right? No, that was the yeah, Kalen Addison yeah, yeah. Whoa. quip. Was that what we heard? Yeah, that's what we heard. Why? Well, there's nothing not true about that. Yeah, like it's the guy is really gifted offensively, but he just sort of kind of um, rink turns it a little bit, kind of the big looping turns, and I think you'd expect a little bit more out of that at the NHL level. He'll figure it out. Yeah, got yeah, the absolutely. assist on the game winner yesterday. But they bring in Golly, yeah. and you know what? He's a pro. You know, I mean, he's rested. <laughs> Very well There's rested after much. these last couple of years, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Man. Did you see that uh, Pablo started today for the Twins? I did. I did. Two innings, three strikeouts. We'll take that. There's another three that was in the box score, too. Um, it was on Joey Gallo. What do you think it was? It could be one of two things. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> it's not as obvious as you think. Is it walks? No. Strikeouts? No. Singles? L.O.B. <laughs> I hate that one. I hate left on base. Drives yeah, me. Move them. Yeah. Get them in. It's your job. It's what you're paid to do. <laughs> How about this, though? The high school hockey season is f- uh, quickly coming to a fast close here. I mean, it's like, you know, you were at the girls' state tournament, mm-hmm. and uh, those days, while they blend together into one, are you kind of like shell shocked today? Yeah. Yeah. I. It's weird, isn't it? It's really weird. And obviously, you know, we had a chance to. Uh, to help out and actually stream the Miss Hockey Banquet coming the day after. Just a great conclusion to the season, getting to hear all those awards. You get the all-state players as well, so it's really players from you know, all, all programs over the state, and then you wake up today, and yeah, it's it's over. It's incredibly surreal when you go to those banquets like that after the, the, the last day, as there's this like weird um, relief, even for those that lost. Yeah, yeah. It's kinda, it was, you know what I mean? It's odd. I do, I do. I it's mean, bittersweet. It's bittersweet. I mean, a lot. I saw a lot of smiles there yesterday, which which is good. You know, it seems like you get those couple days after the season, and a lot of teams are. You know, if you're returning, you get a chance to go again, and then a lot of seniors just a lot of appreciation for, of course, their years of high school hockey, and a big chunk of them moving on to play at the next level too. On a personal note, I had, but we're doing this in the evening on Monday night before the big section semis that will play down for the Class Two A tomorrow night at the mm-hmm. St. Louis Park Rec Center. But before this, I went to uh, Hazelwood in St. Louis Park, and I dined on a, uh, a prime rib sandwich, or their version of the French dip. Could have been saltier. I am parched. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I'm in the desert right now. Can I? Do you sure. Mind? sure. I, I, I won't touch it. Take a swig. Uh, ooh, there's watch gum. the, watch there's the gum, on top. gum on top. Hang yeah. On. Hang on. <laughs> oh, God. Refreshed. So it was, it was good, though. Yeah, um, it was really good. So thanks. I wasn't even trying to get there, but you're such a good partner. It's awesome. <laughs> I know there's not much left. Well, so let's get to the, the <laughs> let's get into the uh, the girls tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it was your first coverage, and you know you're able to kind of see the tempo of, of how everything works. And what were your takeaways from the weekend? You know, honestly, I Matt and I talked a little bit about this. He was uh, there photog- as our photographer. And I didn't know what to expect, you know, from the game I've watched all season long. I've seen most of the teams didn't know what to expect, though, getting up in that press box and seeing it at the press box level. You know, I didn't know what the game was going to look like. A lot slower, isn't it? Honestly, it wasn't. I really didn't think it was. I thought the tempo looked really good up there. And I was concerned that I thought it might look pretty slow sitting up there. But I I left, you know, nothing but impressed with, with really the pace 
from from the teams that they played you know the teams that made it to the x the pace they played with uh you had a couple of big games obviously you had centennial spring lake park that took it to the brink they tie the game against minnetonka late and then minnetonka just turns around and breaks their hearts I talked to Sean Moline uh, afterwards at the uh, banquet uh, for Ms. Hockey. And by the way, we'll hear from uh, the winner, Ella Berger, and also we'll hear from uh, the goaltender of the year in Uma Cornier. We have sound from them that the, they'll have some great things to say in a little bit. But, um, you know, he said, you know, we, we definitely um, gave it everything we had. And he said, you know, you learn one thing when you come here is that if you want to win the championship, you got to play three lines. If you want to win the game, you play two. And it was he was very sure of that. And I thought that was really a great statement. And I think as we, you know, transition toward the boys game, um, the best three line team in the state by far is Minnetonka. Yes. So um the interesting counterpoint's gonna be interesting. It's it's an interesting counter to that though, and that was actually a big theme in Billy Hengen's press conference. Of course, Billy Hengen, the coach of the Gentry Academy stars that won their first state title, he actually found himself rolling two lines for good chunks of the semifinal and the championship. And he said he mixed in his third liners here and there for a shift or two, but he commented on the TV timeouts that that really allowed them to win the tournament. He said he didn't know if they would have won that tournament without the TV timeouts to rest the top two lines. A lot of guys have said that over the years, yep. the TV timeouts have aided them into that two line game. And, you know, I mean, I, the interesting thing, I, yeah, go ahead. I know you got to pay the bills. <laughs> right yeah but it does impact the game because it is true i saw Edina do that a bunch of times you know from 2010 to 2019 2020 era where they just ripped two lines they they take advantage of the um tv timeout they blend in the third from here to there if there was a, a flow but um you know it, it's 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 a it's does it change the final outcomes of games maybe you know it doesn't reward the depth as much. No, it doesn't. As a section playoff would. That's absolutely true. And that's one thing that I would have noted on Gentry. You know, if I had any questions of them coming into the tournament, obviously the strength of schedule thing was well noted. You know, reasons for that. I, we're not going to get into that. At least I don't want to. But I mean, <laughs> but, I, I think you're splitting hairs on that. Yeah. Not you, but, but that topic is a hair splitting one. To it me. it is. But like, that would have been my one thing on Gentry was they have two great lines. But is there a third line there? And OK, but but here's for sure. But here's the just to go. Let's go there for a second. <laughs> All right. we Let's do it. Counter to that is, did they win or not? Did they win or not win against Andover? They did. Okay, was Andover one of the best teams in the state? Oh, absolutely. Okay, did they win or not win against Minnetonka? Sure did. Were they a state tournament team and one of the top one or two teams? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did they play Hill Murray? They did in their section final. Okay. Yeah. And did they or did they not win? They won. So what the hell is that? I know. I mean, there's more in there. I know. I, I, that is absolutely makes no sense to me. Well, I, it, I I don't get it. Like like what part of Andover well, it, Minnetonka and wins against them? Don't you get them? <laughs> no, don't you I, get? I know, I know. I and I think we we talk about this a lot too about winning this time of year with seniors, and that was the theme we saw with both state champions, both the War Road Warriors in Class A Gentry Academy. Those were the most senior laden teams in the tournament on both sides. So no surprise to see both of them lift the trophy. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a good tournament overall. I've, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, speaking of the the Miss Hockey banquet, it was of course interesting to see Gentry didn't have uh, a Miss Hockey semifinalist, and they actually didn't. I don't know if you noticed this uh, at the banquet; they didn't even have an all state player. Are you calling collusion? 
I think the coaches association is making their stance pretty clear. I just got to be honest. And what is the stance? Is it that they can have practice during the day and they're at school? Or was it that they had billeted kids, allegedly, that won the boys tournament a couple years ago? Which one is it? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know what the statement is, but I think it's pretty ridiculous they didn't get any All-State players as the state, hey, state champions. Boy, they got to be one of the most well-rounded, blended teams of uh, all time without a superstar. It's well, kind of Kara Sajovic is a superstar. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? No, I do. Yeah, like, I do. Like, I don't understand. I mean, okay. So here's the thing: the high school league says one thing, the coaches association says another. I get it. I fully get it. I mean, that the coaches want to put their feet in the ground. Basically, what I'm hearing a lot of coaches suggesting is that they don't like the idea that they can be on the ice at school during school. And I've said, I, I, unless there's a rule that I don't know about in the high school league, build a rink on your campus. Yeah. Go play. You know, um, I don't know. I mean. Well, what about all these other teams? I don't think I don't think they're winning a title because of that. Do you? I don't. I don't. I mean, the, the, the elite elite teams, these athletes are skating 12 months of the year anyway. You know, skating during the daytime during... No. Get, it's it's it, no. can't, it can't be for recruiting purposes because let's be honest, is there really recruiting or do do players just sort of descend upon programs these days? We know they do. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. That, that's my take. So uh, what what do you think the? I'm going to ask you from the media jackals perspective. <laughs> what was the overall uh, take on Gentry? winning the title did did everybody chats on the elevator and you know when you're getting the cookies in the back row of the al shaver press box what were they talking about uh, you know i i think in general it, there were definitely you know different different views certain people and certain outlets were you know maybe a little more i don't know oh like you said what what program isn't doing this right now right maybe more on that camp i i think there it was a bit of a there was just a, I don't know. It, I mean, again, I have nothing to compare it to it being my first, you know, covering first time covering the state tournament, but there was just a little bit of a, a weird vibe around it a little bit, but I will say, you know, in those press conferences, um, you know, Billy Hengen gave some great answers. He's, I mean, you know him personally, right. I'm, but getting to know him a little bit, you know, he's, he's a very straightforward guy. He's going to tell it like it is. I think he's, you know, his players did a wonderful job, but I think he's a heck of a coach as well. And, uh, you know, with what he did and, you know, he talked about he won that state title with Gentry, you know, uh, as the co-head coach on the boys team. By the way, he did drop an interesting nugget in the press conference, which he basically said that team should have been playing double A and that they would have liked to move up. But the two year cycle is the two year cycle and they couldn't. So, you know, that's something, you know, it's a retrospective footnote on it. But he talked about, you know, how cool it was for him to win a double A title and how he that really felt like the pinnacle. Well, that's a good that's a good nugget drop there. Billy's a big boy. I mean, he knows exactly what he got into. Yep. And uh, he knows what he's doing. And he'll he'll take the bullets and the daggers, and he'll get it. Look, I I do understand from the coaches' association perspective if they feel that somebody's getting a, a an unfair advantage because they have more ice time than the others. That needs to be maybe legislated if the players are truly skating during the school day. That that to me is a fair argument. That that shit could be the only one to make. Would yeah. you agree with that? I think that's fair. Yeah. Anything else? It's like it's nothing else. It's not happening anywhere else. Right. So let's just not pretend it's not. I know. That's all I'm saying. And no, we're good. I... We, we don't care. We're good. One thing we don't do on this program is we never talk about one transfer or where they're going. That's right. By name. 
That's right. Who cares? Well, and, and who cares? And if I can just say too, you know, this isn't to do it by name, but if we're talking about Gentry, you know, the core of this team has been together for at least three years. You know, they, I, I'm not saying they, you know there wasn't pieces moving around there, but this is a core group that's been through. They went through a state championship loss in 2021, their first year as a high school program, and they stuck together. And I think that showed this week on the ice in St. Paul. It was just a team that gelled so well together. And I mean, my personal take, I'd love to just celebrate a bunch of great hockey players that just won a so state I'm title saying, with their friends. Let's just not just, you know, now we're becoming the Augusta of high school hockey. Let's just stop. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of this. You, you know, a lot of the uh, hand wringing. Yeah, yeah, let's just stop. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like the gatekeepers of who gets to have fun. At some and... level, somebody's kid won a state title, mm-hmm. and somebody from some town that goes to a school in a town won a state title, and that's what it's about. And then then it's about moving on to the next year. Now, I did call this team's games when they were quite young, when they're uh, two years ago. They took on Holy Family. They were good. I mean, I, I was impressed. They had mm-hmm. a, a ton of, uh, of, of scrap to their game and compete, and, and I, I really liked what I saw there for sure. Um, what was surprising to me, though, was um, we're going to hear from Uma here in a minute. She talked about it uh, up when she got her award. Uh, she's been on some amazing Breck teams back when she was 7th and 8th grade. And then she came to Edina for 9 through 12, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she's on some amazing teams there. Um, but she went out of her way to say how absolutely, truly remarkable uh, this group of girls were and how much fun they had. And, um, you know, I, I, you really sense that they're going to have long-lasting friendships and relationships because they truly loved each other. And really, it, in the end, it wasn't about the win or the loss. It was about what they did in the journey. So um, she did win the goaltender of the year. She was very deserving of it. I mean, I think it might be the biggest slam dunk in the history of right. You know, I mean, we we've accoladed her in, into the ground. We all know. So she's heading off to Princeton. She's going to be wearing the orange. We'll talk about that a little yes. bit with your part of the interview. But let's go ahead and just dip in on that and uh, listen to her her comments after she was awarded goaltender of the year award. Well, you're the goaltender of the year. Maybe in my opinion, you could have been the goaltender of the year many years, but. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable that uh, I was even a finalist for this incredible award. There are so many talented people in this incredible state, and I'm just honored to be a part of it, and even more honored to have. Uh, oh, Alderson talked about how it was in the '70s, and it was kind of raw, right? I mean, were you surprised to hear like how it was and how much it's come along, and how all of you guys have really helped? Yeah, I'm so incredibly thankful that those women paved the way for us. Um, I remember my eighth grade year, it was um, the 25th anniversary of girls high school hockey. And to me, a middle schooler, I was blown away that girls high school hockey had only been around 25 years. And when it started, there were only a few teams. And now to see what it's grown into, it's incredible. Final one for me, and then you can jump on You mentioned this team this year being special. Um, isn't it really cool that it, fine, you guys didn't win a state title, but the experience was the best. Can you talk about this group? Yeah, yeah. we just, it's, I can't describe it. It's indescribable. We go to the rink every single day and are just thrilled to be with each other. Um, we have so much fun together, and we're able to compete 
um, on the ice, but then also be such incredible friends off the ice. It's, again, indescribable experience to be a part of. Remember what I said the other night, you'll still be friends in 15 years. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. It's yeah. Like it's, it's so special. Go ahead. So you got your number 41, you got your name up on that wild jersey. How cool is that? It's just kind of a token of, of what you've accomplished. Yeah, that is like, unbelievable. This whole experience feels surreal, and I just, I can't believe that. Slightly different shade of green than you're used to. I know. <laughs> I like it, though. It's a good, it's a good shade. I gotta switch to orange, so you gotta yeah, get used to new that, colors. That'll be a big change. I know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, good luck. We'll figure it out. Thank you. That was Edina's Uma Cornier. Now let's turn our attentions to the Ms. Hockey winner, Andover's Ella Berger. Ms. Hockey, how's that feel? I'm. It feels great. I mean, my teammates and coaches really helped me to get here, so I can't thank them enough. You know, when you see the level of people that have won this over the years and the Laura Halderson's talking about where high, you know, hockey for girls was boy skates versus figure skates. Is that something you look at and say, whoa, that, this really is a big deal now? I mean, how does it feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I think Miss Hockey and like just the game of hockey and girls have has really grown and like it's not boys hockey skates anymore. It's just, it's actually been taken pretty seriously. So it's grown a lot. You know, you're the second Miss Hockey winner in program history after Peyton Hemp a couple years ago. How much did sort of following her example and getting to be an underclassman and she was leading this team, how, how much did her example kind of spur you on? Yeah, I mean, she was definitely a big part of it. She was my neighbor and she would pick me up every day to practice. And she, she had awesome character. She was a great person, great work ethic. And she really helped me to just become a better player. And she really showed me what hard work was. And then you kind of touched on it in the banquet too, but obviously you and so many talented 2023s going to St. Thomas. How excited are you for that next chapter? Yeah, I mean, there's so many good girls playing with me that are going to go to St. Thomas, and I'm just so excited, and I think they're going to have a great future, so I'm excited to go. A little bit of housekeeping to throw out here for you. Um, the War Road Warriors pretty much took care of business, as Matt Harrington would like to say. And uh, there That's was there was no chaos in that bracket at all. If it, although the Orono Spartans had a really nice, memorable push, I think they sure did. I mean, War Road again. We I kind of alluded to it earlier with all the seniors they have, and they had just an outstanding season. That's their fourth state title. They've gone back to back twice. They did ten and eleven, and now twenty two and twenty three. Um, but yeah. Obviously, the big one of the big storylines around that game that was hit on was, of course, you know, Izzy Marvin and Larry Olam, the longtime friends. They grew up in War Road together. They coach against each other for the second time. They actually played earlier in the regular season. But, you know, Izzy was he was great in the news conference, as, as always. I think he's a very, you know, self-reflective guy. He loves to give credit back to the kids. But he was not shy in saying that I would not be surprised uh, to see Orono up on this stage next year with the trophy. He he said that. So he clearly has high praise for for you know one of his good longtime friends and knows just how talented they are. But you know, they were the I don't want to say the lights were too big. I just think War Road was just that good. And they'll they'll grow up a little bit. They only have two seniors this year. So certainly we could be looking at Orono for a few years here now. We'll keep our eye on that for sure. Uh, great stuff there. And, uh, you know, Izzy Marvin, uh, truly a legend in the coaching uh, realm as once again he leads a team to another state title. 
Now let's uh, shift our attention to the boys' hockey sections. And, you know, that's something that you and Matt didn't really get to enjoy <laughs> last week. How, how you feel? Do you feel a little bit um, out of the loop? 100%. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say I feel a little out of the loop on it. You're just sort of scoreboard watching. Yeah. Sort of, where should we start? Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I think what, what are, I guess my biggest thought so far is in a year of, you know, a, a little bit of, you used the word earlier, chaos, seems like sections so far have been a little bit light on the chaos. Now there's been an upset or two here or there. Certainly at well, w- Woodbury, we could talk about and go there, but I, I don't know. It, it's been fairly chalky so far. What, what do you think? Well, to be fair, uh, most years you have one through four that go into the semis and mm-hmm. they're seated right on the on the money and oh yeah 90 percent of the time it's one verse two mm-hmm. or one verse three yeah um we had an eight seed nearly beat a one seed in orono and we're going to hear from them yeah shortly so that's that's got value uh then you had a seven seed in that same section beat the two seed which mm-hmm. is crazy and um, you've got a seven seed in that section that was ranked in our CARE 11 top 11, deservingly so. And I brought that up in our conversation, and it was like, yeah, absolutely. They're a good hockey team. So there's no easy outs in that section. No. So that, to me, is reflective of the season, the Section 2A, across the whole high school terrain, in that really, other than Minnetonka, yep. any team— on any night can beat anybody. In other words, is Woodbury really like not a great team or are they a really good team that beat a really good team in Stillwater? I believe that's the case. Well, they uh, But it looks like an upset, but right. Woodbury's good. They, they like they've got a shot. They are, and I saw an interesting one about that specific matchup. They played three times this year, Woodbury and Stillwater. It went to overtime all three times. When I saw that matchup, I go, ooh, that's yeah. a good one to have. Yeah. You know? and, and another one, too, um, you know, Tartan pushing White Bear Lake to overtime as, as a one seed against an eight seed. Now, I have heard, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but there have been some flu uh, bug issues with the White Bear Lake team. So that, you know, could definitely be a factor in that potentially there. Uh, you know, White Bear Lake survives and advances. Um, but yeah, you, you're right about section two a, and you know, what a moment for Waconia. I think, did I see it's their first section semifinal ever? Uh, yeah, it might've been even their first playoff wins. Yeah. You know, they, they, they could have uh, fit into that whole, um, uh, Chan Hassan. Right. Book, so you know? I, great moment for Waconia. I, I kind of sent this in our, our text chain as well with our announcers, but it, I mean, really they are playing in the Metro West now. You know, they they obviously took their lumps there this year, but that type of competition, of course, it's going to prepare you for a team like Providence, you know, who, I mean, we know how streaky they've been this year. And even as a seven seed over a two seed, I mentioned this to Matt the other day, but Waconia actually has a better record than Providence now. So, I mean, seeds, what, two through nine in that section were just, it's it's a grab bag. Go figure that. Waconia was a seven seed and they have a better record than Providence. Yeah. So is that really an upset? I mean, they only, to be fair, they only had a better record because they had to play that extra game to get to the quarters. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you make a compelling case there. And, uh, you know, Orno, I'm sure you maybe got into this with, with Coach Fish, but I'm sure he is not overlooking Minneapolis one bit. That, that team has been hot lately, especially since the start to the season. Not to mention they're your defending section champs. Um, they are your defending section champs. And, um, by the way, so let's, let's, let's first do this. 
Why don't we get into some of the interviews? We've been talking about the 2A, so should, yeah. we, should we live in there? Let's roll. Roll okay. Sean. Do you like the Avery Peterson Walker train uh, to, to get it done uh, tomorrow night? Oh, um, Against Minneapolis, who, according to Paul Ranham, was terrific. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Minneapolis has been playing some of the sneaky best hockey in Class A for a while, so I really, I don't know. That's going to be a big, big semifinal matchup. It, it will be. And the St. Louis Park Rec Center always yields uh, a very uh, interesting environment. It's electric in there. And it's, you know, it's it's interesting because the players have to sit on the same, or the fans sit on the same side of, of the venue. So you can't have that back and forth across the rink, but you can sure have a, a really wild energy. That's that's a very large arena, actually. It is. And I mean, it's, I, mean I don't think it's going to matter in a section fi- semifinal here, but it's even a closer drive for Minneapolis and their fans. I mean, we saw them at the state tournament last year. I've seen them a couple times this year. Their fans are some of the best in the game right now. Honestly, they have a way of ramping up that atmosphere, and I think they're going to do it tomorrow night. Let's see what happens. Let's check in with Sean Fish, head coach of the Orono Spartans. We are joined by Sean Fish, the head coach of the Orono Spartans, who are the number one seeds. They enter this uh, big section quarter or semifinal round matchup tomorrow with a 21-5-0 record. They'll be taking on the Minneapolis hockey team. And, uh, you know, Sean, you had quite the game there against the uh, uh, Hutchinson Tigers. And I had said going into this one, you look at all of the 16 sections um, up and down, and you say, you know what, out of the two classes, the deepest is clearly the 2A. You guys are absolutely loaded. And you had a tough eight seed there in Hutchinson. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on there. They're not your typical eight seed. They had 12 wins coming in to the playoffs, which most eight seeds don't don't sniff 12 wins. Um, we knew that they were going to play hard. They have a young team. Um, their goalie played out of his mind. Like I would say we had 15 to 20 grady opportunities and only two went in the back of the net. Um, so he played great. He was seeing everything. So you got to tip your hat to him. Um, and then as far as like our team win, like, we felt like we were in control of the game. We just we couldn't score, and it was one of those where one bad bounce and all of a sudden season's over, and we didn't want it to end that way. No, you don't. And you know that's the thing about these playoff games. It's not a series. You know, it's one and done, and you never know. And uh, you know what though, your kids stuck to it. Uh, they kept putting rubber on the net, and you know they believed in themselves. And you know I think when you when you get into games like that, that's when you get closer as a group. And you did it obviously with the Anoka Tornadoes in '03. So you've been there and you've experienced that. Have you been able to kind of you know share this the urgency, but not the panic of a one game deal with your team? Yeah, our, our team was very similar to Anoka. Actually, we were we were hard to play against. We had a lot of depth. Um, we didn't have a ton of superstars, and that's kind of how Orno was built, too. We're, we're a team that has a ton of depth. We have a really good goalie. Uh, Bradley Walker and Avery Anderson are our two best up front. We got a couple of really nice D, but as far as our team goals, we roll three lines. We have five, six defensemen that play a regular shift, and we rely on that. We, we rely on our depth and our speed and our tenacity and the way that we like to play. Um, and when you, when you have a tough time scoring, you have to play that way. You have to play hard every single game. 
Well, you have to earn every piece of ice that you have. And, you know, when you mentioned guys like Anderson and Walker, they've been playing at the varsity level for a while. And you really need those guys when they're in their uh, older ages to really not only lead off the ice, but on the ice. And, you know, what kind of leadership has this group had for you from, you know, obviously you came over from the girls team to this team this year. Uh, have you noticed uh, a cohesiveness with this group? And if not, if it came together, can you kind of talk about the tightness of this Orno Spartans team? Yeah, we, we have seven seniors um, and we have a really tight group. Like they obviously love each other. Uh, Bradley's the leader of the group. He actually just became the second leading scorer all time in Arnold school history with 166 career points. Um, so he, he's kind of made his mark here since he was a freshman, played on a really good team that year. And he's, he's been the leader ever since. He's been two-year captain here. Um, great kid on and off the ice. Uh, he does a lot with our unified program. Um, he was a three-sport athlete, played in the elite league. So he's a very special kid. Um, Avery just won the AAA award, which is given to um, kids that do well in academics. They do well in sports, and then they also do well in the art art department as well. So he's kind of a man of all trades, and he's a really good kid. He's crafty, smart. Um, he does a lot of things that you can't teach. And we kind of allowed him this year to be himself and to be crafty and, you know, do things that he probably didn't get away with back in his old coaching staff. But now he's able to go out there, have some fun and play a little bit more free. So he's had a career year this year. Um, so, yeah, both those kids and our, our leadership group is unbelievable. I mean, you got Connor Lang on, on our third line as a senior and he doesn't care. He's been on the top line. He's been on the power play. He's played everywhere, and he just doesn't care. He just wants to win a state championship. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. You bring up a really um, interesting point where you know, you take a player that is smart, creative, you know, has vision, you know, those types of things, and then there are some coaching staffs that just, you know, you know, it's a, a one-size-fits-all. It's like the Bill Belichick thing, you know. I don't care who my quarterback is. This is what we're going to do. Um, you, you translate to this. How how much do you think at the high school level, especially with what these kids can and are able to do, how, how do you, like, manage the, like, well, we need to play a certain way, but opening it up to allow them the freedom to be the player they can be, which helps them for the next steps? Because you've been at the next level as a coach as well. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes he drives you nuts. Like, right. He'll turn <laughs> over, and, and there's times that we obviously get on Avery, but – um, with him being able to play more free, I feel like as a coaching staff, we do a good job of, you know, coaching to each kid rather than blanking and everything and being like, this is the way we have to play. And if we don't play this way, you're, you're not going to play. And I think that's kind of how the old staff was. So for him, I think he's, he's kind of opened up Pandora's box that way where you can play a little bit more free. Um, same with like Joey Mugas. He's a human breakout machine. It's awesome to watch him go back and retrieve pucks and, kind of be creative there so I mean every kid's different though you got other kids that like Caden Bickett who's a minute eater for us um, and he's a very simple defenseman so I think we got a really good mix of guys that play the game the right way and guys that are very creative you know when you get into a game against a team that's won the section granted Minneapolis has you know graduated a ton of uh, players along the way but they've been there done that and there's it carries over to others that has like some invaluable uh, lessons for them as a group. H how do you like 
you, you'll get that to your kids so this can be passed along. And how do you kind of work past that? I mean, when you when you look at a team, there's an intangible that's there that could be experience. It's not like your team's inexperienced. They've been very successful at the youth levels and even the high school level. But how do you how do you work through that component? Yeah, I think you alluded to it earlier. I think this is the deepest section. And Minneapolis is a four seed and the defending 2A champs. I think um, it holds a lot of value. And it's something that their their team obviously has played very well the last 20-something games here. They're probably one of the hottest teams in the state. So um, we know that we're up against a really tough test in our semifinal game and definitely not looking past that. Um, but we got guys that have been there. Um, they've won state championships in Peewees. And, mm-hmm. um, Walker's brother was on the 18 team here that won the state championship for Orono High School. Um, so all these kids were in the stands during that. And they had a really good team, Walker's freshman year. Um, and it, that, that one kind of slipped away from those guys. So I think that eats at some of those guys a little bit. Um, and they haven't been back in five years. So the guys are hungry. Um, it's something that we set a goal at the beginning of the year that we wanted to win our, our section. We wanted to get to that state tournament and give ourselves a chance. So um, our goal is still in front of us, but we know we got a tough test ahead. Semifinal Tuesday at the St. Louis Park Rec Center is so special. It, it's it's just, uh, it, it rocks, it's hopping, it's going to be a lot of fun. We know there will be energy. The Minneapolis fans represent really well. We know you guys do too as well. So there will be obviously that element of, of adrenaline that comes into play. Uh, are you going to look to manage that a little bit or just cut it loose? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where the really good teams, I think, block all, all the noise out and they don't let the crowd, the crowd play a factor in it. Um, I would say the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable and enjoy it. But at the same time, the guys on the ice, they got to play for, for the 20 guys there and just make sure that they're managing their emotions and not allowing themselves to run around and play outside of what we're trying to accomplish. So, Well, I'm going to be on the call for the MN Hockey TV. I can't wait to see it because it's just – such a great it's a great building great game it's so much fun when when these teams square off and you know a, a final question I have for you just on the overall high school season Sean that's that's been so interesting to me is I, I guess I could use the Providence Academy Lions as a bit of a, a microcosm some teams can beat any team on any night and then lose to any team on any night have you seen that more this year than you've ever experienced from what you've seen where it's just like kind of all over the place yeah, I've seen a ton of hockey, too, because I scout, and uh, it's funny. High school kids are funny. Like, you don't know when you're getting on any night, and I would say we've had issues with that, too, with not playing a full 51 minutes, and sometimes it's one of those things where there's outside factors, right, where you don't know what, what's going on at home or what's going on here or there, so you got to manage that with 15, 18-year-old kids, and I would say that's probably the biggest factor of why you see, like, a team like Providence – go out there and beat Blake and then turn around and lose to Waconia, who we struggled against them too. Waconia was a very good hockey team. We, we beat them in overtime and then 3-2 at their place. So it's one of those things where I think if you don't bring it, I think the parity, especially in our section, is there. So you can lose on any given night. We almost lost to Hutch. So it's, it's one of those things where 
you got to bring in every single night. you got to play a full 51. You've got a number seven seed in your section that we ranked in our CARE 11, top 11 at one point. You were, you were in there all mm-hmm. year long, and uh, we had no problem doing that. It was early on in the year. They got off to that quick start. But then, you know, you just still watch how they're playing and seeing the things, and you, and you say, you know what, uh, they, they have two one-goal games with you, and um, that's that to me is among the benchmarks of Class A hockey. And uh, I just think for those that are part of this are very lucky. I would say get your tickets. I think you can get them online. Is that correct for the game? That's correct. Get yep. them online. Don't deal with all that stuff. But other than that, we all know about the rec center. Get there early because parking is a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're parking in the bank building across the lot. Don't tell anybody I told you that, but you know it, 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 it's it's pretty rough. So get there early and pack the building. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we just appreciate your time uh, with us here today. And we'll be uh, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. All right, thank you, Sean. That's Sean Fish from the Orono Spartans. We'll be back right after this. There you go. They'll be ready to go tomorrow. And then we have, our, of course, our second semifinal. Which one do you think you and Matt are going to be on? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably up to you, right? Well, what do you want? I don't know. I mean, the, I think the first one's really, really intriguing. Okay. What about the second? I, I like the second one, too. I, I got to see Waconia lose by 11 goals in that building earlier this year. So I think they're going to try to keep it a little closer this time. All right, so you're 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 interested in Waconia, Delano, uh, and I got Minneapolis, Orono. Yeah. Okay. You guys get game one or game I th- two. I think that's game two. Yeah. You get the APM. Good. I get to uh, I get to go to bed. There you go. So I get uh, Minneapolis and Orono. I'll be on the call for that. MNHockey.tv. Be sure to check it out. It's a great uh, game. Uh, game. Great value. We'll have the finals coming up on Friday night. In other action, really interesting. As we went on the air here tonight, uh, you called out that uh, Hermantown. Last second win against uh, the Hibbing Chisholm Blue Jackets. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, for the naysayers that say they got to go, they nearly were upended again by uh, Hibbing this time. They've lost to Hibbing, twi- uh, that would have been twice, but once in Greenway as well within this mix. I mean, teams have beaten them. Y- yeah. Is that all you're giving me? <laughs> but tell me about this op-ed you saw. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was an op-ed from Scott Pionk, who, I mean, of course, you know, the Pionk name will probably be pretty recognizable to a lot of hockey fans. Uh, he sent a lot of kids through that Hermantown system, and he was just basically advocating that he thinks it's time for Hermantown to move up to double A. Um, uh, you know, people that kind of shot back, maybe that it's hypocritical. Why wasn't he saying this when he was there in the program? Supposedly, people say that he was an advocate for it even back then. I don't know personally. I you know, I don't know Scott Pionk myself. I mean, it, so his opinion is is that it's time were, to go. Were you looking for that he's the uh, Stella Morris head coach? Yeah, is that what you're looking I mean, for? It's just like, okay, you know, and, you know, Bob Ganey just wrote a piece. What does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything right, necessarily. Right. Well, I, I will add to, and we kind of touched on this when this news broke a couple weeks ago, but he basically alluded to the fact that, you know, Herm, the presence of Hermantown was – what was making the decision for programs like Denfeld and like Rockridge to move up to double a, it was sort of, I don't want to say forcing their hand, but basically that, you know, they wanted to move up. I don't know. I personally, I, I think it, I, I don't know. That's, it's just my opinion. I think, do they have a right to stay in single a based on the rules? Absolutely. But I, you know, I, I think it's time personally. That's my opinion. I still stand by the better class A is, the better the teams continue to strive to. If you have a higher bar, you're going to go higher. 
I know. So, so if, if everybody's worried about the teams that are getting blown out, have a three-class system. I don't care. Well, that, I'd be fine with that, too. That, we that, talked about that That's a bit. the answer to me. Well, where's Hermantown playing a three-class system then? Double-A? Uh, they can be double-A because that's where they fit. I, I just think anybody size that's... Size-wise. Size-wise, absolutely, but I, I don't know. They're, they just seem to be, to me... To be the only program that is just consistently well, the, year after the, year, they play the d- mostly double A schedule. They've proven themselves to be in the top five to ten teams in the state every year. Why not just make the jump and prove yourself against the best? What are you scared of? F- fair enough. Well, Edina's got the most state titles of any team in high school hockey. So should we get put them in four A alone? Well, there's a there's a ceiling. Hermantown's well, not it, at the it, ceiling. You know what I'm saying, though. I mean, like, eh. so they're too good. You know, so if they're if they're ripping off titles. You know, if the Edmonton Oilers won four Stanley Cups in a row and they're a dynasty, the Chicago Bulls are getting it done and they're a dynasty, leave the league. But they're playing at the good. top. They're playing yeah, at the top. Hermantown's yeah, not I mean, at the top. They're, they're playing within the rules, unfortunately, that I fit know. for them. I know. So, um, you know, how do you think it felt for Matamidi when they beat him? I'm sure it was pretty rewarding. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It is. So I, I would rather win a state title beating Hermantown in overtime than beating Little Sisters of the Poor somewhere. Yeah, but don't you think there's enough good teams in Class A hockey that, you know, is, is Hermantown that, you know, is Hermantown leaving going to change the entire landscape of Class A hockey? It, honestly, do you uh, think it would? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. I I, I, I would argue I, for I, the I, better. I think, but. It's, I think it's important to have benchmarks. And I, I I think it's important to have, if you fit within the category, like, I don't think anybody should left A. That's my opinion. Right. I think everybody should have stayed in A, and then you make a class three. Oh, well, I we can go on that, that if you want to. That's my I, whole point. I, I don't disagree with that, but it's how, kind of debating many, two different how many, things. How many basketball teams move up? Like, really? Almost none. Thank there's you. There's four classes. So De La Salle's just tearing it up, and they're just crushing. No one's giving them shit to move up. Nobody. But it's Hermantown and hockey, and they got. I'm just. This is is where I'm coming from. And then uh, you say, okay, well, there's really no other sports that are doing that, but we all, as a hockey community, feel that you need to go. So are are fans out here calling for it? And I'm not saying that. Are are they saying they want it because they want to, uh, to sanctify a great tournament experience? Because nothing bugs me more than that topic. No, we do. we got to have the eight best teams. We I know. don't have the eight best teams. You know what? You've got eight really good teams. I, I totally agree. And you've got section playoffs that are more dynamic and sometimes than the state tournament, which is just fine. Totally. Sometimes I, the, I agree. Right? Sometimes, sometimes divisional round playoff series, the first round in the NHL, when it's the eight versus the one, are better than this, the conference finals. I agree. So I'm, I'm whoa, with you. I'm you with know? you on that one. The whole the the whole idea that you know that this re- quote regional state tournament is a bad thing. I disagree. It's I fine. do too. It's totally fine. I I think I think you would absolutely kill the game if you did that. I think so too. You would turn it into a metro game. I, I 100% agree. And, and can I just say too? I I will, I've talked about this with a couple people as well. But the topic that always comes up because of this whole thing. You know, what if we went to three classes and just took the top 32 a la 6A football? The 6A football bracket in Minnesota does not work how people think it does. Go ahead. So you there's pods of... It's not seeded 1 through 32 like everybody thinks. There are pods of four. There's still sections that they seed, and they say two from this section against three. It's no better than section playoffs. 
My it's, opinion. It's the same. It's just like it's just bracketed it's, different. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it takes you longer to get to where you got to get to, which is U.S. Bank. But fine, you call that a section tournament. You call the whole thing. It's a no state different. Tour. It's no different. You you could have eight pods that you call the final sixty four, <coughs> if you want to. Yeah. And Agreed. you're it's, the West Region. You're Section One. Agreed. It's no different. Right. No different. I don't. It's ridiculous. <sighs> but that topic comes. This topic comes up so much. It does. It's it's just. But but it would kill the game. Hundred percent agreed. There'd be no hockey in the southeastern part of Minnesota. If you ask some people in the metro, they wouldn't care. There there'd be no hockey in northwestern Minnesota. If you ask some people in the metro, they wouldn't care. They don't because they only care about themselves. Well, and I would just add to you know uh, what am I getting? Taking from, you know, my experience at the girls tournament, you know, we obviously got to be a part of the Class A banquet the night before. And, you know, to just see the support that a program like Moorhead got. Obviously, we know Moorhead is kind of the hockey hotbed of of the Northwest, if you will. But that girls program had not been to state in 17 years. There was so much energy there. And, you know, they they got knocked out by Gentry in their opening game. They came back and won consolation. Coach Ryan Kraft won coach of the year. I mean, such a great year for that program. And if you say, oh, we want the eight best teams, was Moorhead one of the eight best teams in girls double A? I mean, they're around that eight spot, but you don't get a moment like that, maybe, if if you go to a model like that. That's how you it's how you build the program, too, because the to- town was galvanized in Moorhead. Absolutely. And then now all the little uh, Moorhead Spuds players are looking up to those players, and they want to do it. And then the next group, and then the next group. Uh, you have to absolutely do it. So now let's get into the section play yep. here. Uh, are, are there any other of the Class A sections that are standing out to you right now that you want to touch on real quick? Um, I believe uh, Section 5, I think we got Cathedral Little Falls. Um, I think that's Section 5, isn't it? That should be a good section final there. You know, the Little Falls Flyers have been really intriguing. I think they've they've really, pardon the pun, <laughs> flown under the radar <laughs> Uh, but, you know, we had them in the top 10. They had a, a, a couple tough losses there that, that kind of drilled them out. But I, I think that team is much better than advertised, and I wouldn't be surprised as a number one seed if they don't advance. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was another case, excuse me, uh, kind of like Minneapolis. You know, I think they lost a lot off their team a year ago, maybe a little bit of a slow start to the season, but they've really rebounded uh, and looking strong. And then obviously I think we've alluded to this matchup for a while but you got war road east grand forks in 8a playing up in thief river falls on that section final i mean that that's a great game that i mean that's a semi-final quality matchup and it just adds to what you said you know we we these good these big section games are are good you know would you rather war road east grand forks play for a spot in the state tournament in thief river falls where the communities can be there and pack that barn or would you rather them you know play each other at the x not to right. say that's a bad thing but you know, those section finals, I, I think they definitely hold a special place in the, the season calendar. In the 6A, you got Alexandria and Wadena Deer Creek going at it. Wadena Deer Creek had a terrific 4-3 win. In over, I was watching that. Yeah. In overtime over Morris Benson. That was a great 4-5 matchup. Well matched. Uh, our guy Eric Vetch and his Northern Lakes Lightning uh, going at it with Fergus Falls uh, in the 2-3 uh, seed. I'll be curious to see where that one shakes down. Uh, I think any one of those four teams can win with Alexandria having the edge. Agreed. Agreed there. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's that's an intriguing uh, situation there. Uh, then then in the 7A, we all know about that, <laughs> about what happened there is uh, that was a 1-4 seed. I know. And then up next is if Rockridge or Duluth then felled, we've seen both of them give Hermantown some, some trouble. So um, 
we'll see. You mm-hmm. know, Rockridge is stepping up to step away, right, into the double uh, A. And Denfeld as well. Yeah. They, Both of those teams. They were trying to get a couple other schools same, that were going to Same piece out. They, they, they didn't piece out. The funny part is, is so they were trying to get everybody to go. Yeah, I know. And then and then while they're doing that, Cloquet is like, we're out of here. We're going single. Yeah. And it then, didn't work out for and them. And then the great part is... <laughs> The great part is, is then everybody else backs up. Ah, we're just gonna stay here. So they're in net one. Yeah. Or there's there's a negative one that's that's missed there. Uh, in the four A, I think that's Montemitas to lose. Absolutely. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, going down to the three A, this is an intriguing one. This is gonna get us down to uh, Mankato East, Laverne, Mankato West, and New Ulm. Yeah, I believe those semifinals are tonight. Actually. They're so, going on right now. Yeah. Chris Davis Adolphus. Yes, good Wish building. I could see those right I now. I know, good building uh, there. I don't know. I mean, New Alm's been pretty much the the class of that group, but you know what? Laverne has really, as a hockey program, done a heck of a job over the years. Uh, don't turn your back on them. No, definitely not. And even Mankato East, despite the record, I think, I mean, that's a wide open section. Uh, section two, obviously, we've got the games we already talked yep. about. So we're uh, all good and up to speed there. And then in the Section 1A, we're going to be looking at uh, New Prague and Northfield again. Again. New Prague got pushed, though, by Albert Lee in the Section Semis. I think I saw an empty netter there in like a 7-5. Just wild game. Northfield's been playing so well, though, lately. Uh, I think, by the way, their jerseys are among the best in the state. You've said that before. Yeah, I I love them. So I, I hope they're back at the end. You're, you're a huge fan, for sure, uh, of those uh, sweaters. Well, does it surprise you? They're maroon and gold. No, of course. Goldie. Goldie. Goldie's paying a bit. And we don't mean Sean Goldsworthy either. We'll get uh, to him. Yeah, right, we will. Uh, section 1AA. Let's take a quick peek into that one. The old North-South. Yon! North-South. How about the North needed overtime? Just a heartbreaker to beat yes. uh, Rochester Mayo, and that could have been uh, setting up a very different uh, matchup. So we've got a 1-3 in that one as Hastings fell to Rochester Century in double overtime. Lakeville South, obviously, a- appearing to be the class of the group there, but when they play Lakeville North, anything can happen. Would have been nice to see Sparty get a, a pseudo-home game there in the section final down in Rochester, but... Instead, it's the uh, Lakeville schools making that uh, drive they're so used to now, about an hour down Highway 52 to get to Rochester. You're right, though. Anything can happen. Um, Lakeville South, I think sneaky under the radar, been playing pretty good hockey. Um, I think that's kind of a theme of the South Suburban sometimes, right? Right. We kind of just lose track of those teams a little bit. Um, So so we'll see. You know, the Cougars have become a fixture, and we'll see if they can get back. Chanhassen, Edges, Eden Prairie, 2-1. to How about that? Yeah, well, you, you mentioned to me about Tyler Smith, obviously going down with that collarbone injury. I think you said it was collarbone, but that hurts their depth quite a bit. Um, but Chan, you know, maybe they did get out a little outpaid by EP. I mean, I know you were on the call for that game, so I should let you say that. But, um, you know, just gritty for them. They hadn't won a playoff game in how long, and now they've won two? How great right. is that? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's a storybook for them, and they're a very unselfish team. So is Minnetonka, and that's what we're going to see with that. But really the story to me was the third period for Eden Prairie. They absolutely wore them down, and Chan was running two lines. Okay. And it caught up to him, wow. in my opinion. Eden Prairie's big and strong. Coring yep. was terrific. Townsend was on his point. Uh, Andy Earl played one of the best games I've ever seen him play. They just had the we're not impressed attitude, the Eagles. It was a It was a, a brawl. In a good way. Yeah. It was just it, that They're was a, heavy team. a very good hockey game. Yeah. It was really good. And Chan was pushed to the limit. 
And I will say that uh, Cam Cam uh, Hendrickson was just off awesome. Yeah, just he was a difference. I know I got chirped on a tweet. <laughs> Tell us about it. Guy asking if I was a family advisor for uh, Cam Hendrickson and that there was another goalie. I'm like, hey, dude, um, that was ch- the, sh- the the quality chances were probably seven or eight to one against uh, him versus Isaiah Polnock, who's a great goaltender. And if a guy's playing great, do you want me to just be mute? And and if a guy's not getting challenged, do you want me to say, oh, he's awesome? You know, you know, the truth is, a stick save is easy to make, right? So am I going to blow up and go nuts over a stick save? No. Okay. Uh, if you're not getting hard work and you're doing your job, I'm going to say saving it, you know, blah, blah. If you're making four saves in a row in a scramble with bodies that are pushing you around, having played the position and knowing exactly what was required for the, what he was doing and how he was doing it and how he was moving pucks, how he was keeping pucks alive, play the position and then understand for a second what the hell I'm talking about. How's that? Just shut up. God. Unbelievable. Speaking, can I just... like It's just like... You know, you, you, it's so funny because for every play, but Joe Buck, was it you that said this? Or Matt Harrington? I don't know. You know, here's the thing. If your team is kicking someone's ass and I'm going at it because they're kicking their ass, what do you want me to fake it to make you feel good? Shut up. I mean, your team's <laughs> terrible right now. Like, it's not my fault. Like, seriously. I think I think we're leaking into uh, some game, some takes about the second semifinal. Well, before we do that, <laughs> before we do that, before we do that, we got to hear from Sean Goldsworthy. I had a great, great discussion with him today uh, regarding uh, the upcoming game uh, with the Chanhassen Storm. Let's check in with the Minnetonka head coach. Bringing on into the Overtime Hockey Podcast is Sean Goldsworthy. He, of course, is the head coach of the Minnetonka Skippers. And, you know, we live in a world, uh, Sean, first of all, thanks for joining us. I know you're busy and you're going to be getting on the ice soon. Well, actually, I was got time for you guys. Anything to promote uh, high school hockey, I'm all in. So, yeah, we're in this a couple hours here, and uh, we're getting ready for uh, Thursday night. That's awesome. Thursday night, of course, is the section final against the Chanhassen Storm, which will be played out at Braemar Arena, 7 o'clock puck drop. And I would say to anybody that's listening to this, I'd get there early. If you can do online tickets, do it. It's worth every penny. Um, and, you know, Sean, I, I – I've been a believer. I, I hope these don't leave these venues because, I don't know, it just feels better to me than Mariucci. What are your thoughts, Jerry? You've been in both. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, playing in Mariucci is kind of a fun experience, but I, I don't think it's at the top of the list for any coaches in the area or players when you haven't done it all year. So, um, you know, playing in a venue like Braemar or Bloomington or, you know, a, a normal size venue that's full, it, it's tight, um, it's got good positive energy, it, it feels more what it should be uh, rather than, you know, trying to bring in uh, back-to-back games with a bunch of uh, fans, you know, that can kind of feed the uh, revenue a little bit. So I, w- I would definitely think uh, and hope that we stay in the neutral site Braemar you know, Bloomington on the Western side here and in other areas like Aldrich or, or wherever they're playing, uh, you know, rec center down south or Ansel. So more, more uh, suited venues for our high school game. Yeah, it's really absolutely right. And it feels good. And uh, it's, it, it's pretty special. So obviously you've been here before you've done that. And, and we've talked a little bit, if, if people saw our care 11 uh, 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 
inside the bubble show, we, we played some of your post-game comments. But for those on here that didn't hear it, you know, I, I was saying that just the, the, the dominance, you know, people like to throw that word around, but this was, like, legit. I mean, your team, when they when you beat Edina a couple weeks before the end of the season at Braemar Arena, you beat them on puck possession, and you had the puck. And, and what I was most impressed with was how your defensemen, it didn't matter which group you threw out there, used each other, and how the forwards were absolutely doing the things they could. But they were getting the puck, too. Uh, and, and you won that game. It was one to nothing. But it's because you had the puck. Can you talk about the puck possession with this team? Yeah. I know you love it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a staple for what we're trying to do here and what we're trying to teach. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I got to get, you know, we're doing two things here. We're trying to get our kids ready for the next level, whatever that might be, whether it's juniors or college. Um, but the other step is we're trying to win games, you know, later in the year. So I think early on you can kind of get caught up into fall hockey and you can kind of get caught up into who can score eight or nine goals in a game and get up and down. But at the same breath, you know, you get exposed and you can give up four or five goals too. So if you look at our season as it's kind of progressed, I, I think our guys have really bought into, you know, team hockey, which is, you know, puck possession but it's also team defense and and learning how to play as a unit rather than individually and and that's really hard to do in today's society with kids but uh you know i keep tipping my cap to my my boys here you know they are all in for each other um i think if a lot of these kids played in a different system that was a little wide open you could probably add 20 percent of their point total but they're not interested in that They, they really aren't and i think they understand now that in order to play at the next level, you have to do these little things properly. So that's what we built on. Um, I think we've been playing this way for, you know, probably six, seven weeks now, mm-hmm. um, you know, since we turned the corner at, at Christmas time. And the kids have really bought into it, and, and they understand that, uh, you know, you're going to have to win one-goal games when it matters. Well, I, I look at the way this team is playing right now and the one-goal games that matter. It's it's your limiting shots on goal against as well. And uh, a lot of one-and-dones. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think your defensemen get enough credit. Uh, that they're due. I mean, I know you got the two big yeah. guys with with Hopka and Stout back there, but it's the other guys, the Pasquas of the world, and uh, Holzer For and sure. Players and, and House and all those guys. They do such a nice job. They they really do. Uh, and we got we and we actually suit up seven eight defensemen every night. So we got another set of defensemen that uh, you know kind of on our fourth line of forwards that are ready to jump in and play in, in different situations as well. And we really think we're deep back there. And, and what I'm really proud about those kids is they bought into each other again. Their roles uh, they play tandem defense well. Um, they really smell their well as a unit uh, as a pair. And then and then the bottom line too. Uh, you know a lot of those kids developed really well in our program. You, you just listed four kids uh, that you know played over a year of JV hockey in our program and then now in their older years junior senior years they're they're stepping up and they're playing big minutes so we're really proud of them obviously you know we have a really good tandem in, in Stout and Hopka and uh, those two play big minutes but and, and I don't think you know Liam Hopka gets clearly enough credit as he should I, I I've been saying all year he's the best defenseman we've seen and we've played just about everybody in the state and, and Liam's just that quiet leader uh, plays great hockey, 200 feet. He's not interested in stick handling. He's not interested in getting points. He's interested in shutting down everybody's top line. And and to date, you know, I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Well, I see Liam Hupka, and I say he plays big boy hockey, and uh, it's mature, and uh, he absolutely yep. plays that way in his leadership. You know, you take he and Gavin Gary as far as setting the tone and tempo for this team. I think it's just been so good with those guys, uh, and you can see their influence that has kind of just filtered on al- along the whole team from the leadership perspective. When you guys go about picking your captains, do you select them or do the, do the players do that? How do you do that? 
Well, I think it's a group effort. You know, I think our staff has quite a bit of input on it, but, you know, we leave it open to the voting of our, of our returning players. And the returning players overwhelmingly, you know, feel like, you know, Liam was our was our leader. And he, and he is. And he's, he's, you know, I've been doing this 27 years now, and uh, I would put him in the top two or three captains I've had in, a, in that lifespan of coaching. So he, he is the real deal. He, he is just a completely and totally selfless. I know a lot of coaches say that, but then they, it doesn't really fall suit and ripple through their team. Uh, our team starts and ends with Liam. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I know we're kind of built from a, you know, offensively and even defensively a little bit from some younger guys that are juniors and sophomores. But um, Liam is the heartbeat of our team and his game translates to everything at the next level. So yeah, actually he's one of those few kids that you're going to see have more success as time goes on. That's 27 years, folks. That includes college hockey. So there have been some legit people. And, you know, what I know from what I've seen, he's certainly good enough. He's fast enough. He's strong enough. He's smart enough. And if you have that intangible, I don't know, whichever college team decides to say, hey, you're my guy. I mean, if I were one of them, I'd be jumping on that immediately, right? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's a different world, too. They're they're recruiting to need and they're recruiting to specifics, you know, left sure. hand, right hand, you know, offensive or defensive defenseman. But Liam's going to have a great career where, you know, from the, judging by the head coaches in the area that have been in our building in the last, you know, two or three months. Uh, I don't think Liam's got much to worry about, about opportunities. Just for him, it's it's not about college. It's not even about juniors and USHL in a couple months. It's it's about playing for Minnetonka right now. And, and again, that's just about laser focus and what he brings to the table. Let's talk about the game Thursday night. Obviously, you've been in sure. these games. You've won them. I, I'm sure you've been on the losing end of those. And you know how it feels both ways. But, you know, when you when you approach a game like this with the team playing as well as it does, do you just sort of, you know, just give reminders and lay back and let them go? How do you approach this game? Well, I think you gotta you got to coach for this game for months, you know, you, you, yeah. you develop habits and concepts and, and then eventually your kids have to play without hesitancy and they have to be able to go on and, and perform. So if they're thinking about what to do or, or where to be, you know, you're, you're behind already. So, uh, you know, like I said, we've been playing this style of hockey for a while. I'm really fortunate that our schedule allows us to, you know, play in the late conference and, and, and schedule non-conference teams that are state tournament teams and, and get to the ability where we can play in one goal games all the time and, and play this style of hockey. So, um, you know, I, we're, a lot of it's just reminders and, and, and repeat uh, of what we've done. Um, there's some small tweaks according to the opponent, you know, whether it's special teams or just matchups, but uh, we we're pretty familiar with just about everybody that's remaining in front of us, including Jen Hassan. So um, we're excited. Obviously, I think you got to keep the kids in the moment. Oh, I'm a big believer in that. Today's Monday. It's not Thursday, so we got to have a good, really good Monday. Then we got to follow it up with a good Tuesday, and then get ready by Thursday. Not trying to put any bulletin board material out here. Obviously, you guys played earlier in the year. Uh, they won four-one in their barn. This is obviously a few months later in a different situation. Um, do you remember that? Do you just ignore it? How, how do you approach that that scenario? Well, sure. I mean, sure. I mean, I. We knew how good Chan Hassel was going to be before the season even started. So, you know, our kids know each other on the side of town. And whether it's Eden Prairie or Edina, Isetta, you know, Chan Hassel's in the conversation this year. And they're doing a great job. And Sean Bloomfield does a really good job with those kids. And they're in the right spots. So, you know, that was a good game. You know, we knew it was going to be a good game. It was early. So we were still getting settled. I think they were probably getting settled as well. Um, at that point, it's just about who can kind of string together the next 10 weeks, uh, 12 weeks of hockey to get ready for this time. So, um, you know, Chan Hassel. Get up and down the ice. I think we can. I think we've shown that we can play in this game 
it seems like we've been in this top game every week for the last eight weeks, whether it's Wazetta, uh, on Valleys, or if it's Edina for the late conference title, or in a year we had to play Andover, which looked like they were the number one team in the week one, and then we had Rogers, who was ranked real heavily, so our kids are kind of used to playing in this moment, so they're not overwhelmed, but in the same breath, I think, uh, we, you know, our guys have probably circled this because it was the one of the two losses we have this year. So I think they want to chance and deep down. Um, I think they want a repeat effort on these guys. Um, I also believe that, you know, that game allowed us to kind of sit back and go, Hey, you can't take anything for granted. You know, it was a four one, there was two empty net goals. So, but we were in a one, one dog fight, you know, in the middle of the third period and it didn't turn out our way. So I think the kids learned a lot from that message. Their goaltender was really good in the third period against the Eden Prairie Eagles. Uh, he saw 16 shots. Eden Prairie was the better team in the third period. I mean, period. And um, when you go up against a guy who's hot, he had like a three-game uh, shutout string going like that, feeling good. How do you, you know, we always, you know, uh, pucks the net, traffic, deflections. You know, sometimes when a goaltender's good in these these really, these knockout games, it's difficult mm-hmm. for kids to not get frustrated. Is that an area that you may consider discussing if it gets to that level, or do you just keep sticking to the plan? Well, we, we know they got good goaltending, and, and so do we. You know, I think right. our, you know, our numbers are just equally as, as right there. But in the same breath, I will tell you, the late conference has got that too. You know, when we played Wyzetta, you know, Will Ingeman seems to be a pretty darn good goaltender. In my opinion, he's the best kid in the state. So, you know, he's there, and then you, you run over and you play Dinah twice, and they got Robbie Kukowski. So Robbie can play, and then you turn around and you, you can play even Perry on a given night or, you know, go as far as, you know, Buffalo can sting you in a game. And, and, and our goaltending in our league is just so good. And then you throw in the, the Lakeville South, and then you throw in a Moorhead, and then you throw in a Duluth East and, and Andover. I mean, everybody's got a number one goalie that we play and clearly Chan Hassan does. We feel like he's a good player, but we seem to see this every week and uh, we're kind of used to it. Uh, I think you have to just stick to your, your game. You know, we have some guys that can really hit the puck. We have some guys that like to get in front of the net and, and clear up rebounds as well. So I think we're just going to keep playing our game. And if, uh, you know, if they happen to play really well, then tip your capital. You know, I get accused Goldie of being a uh, late conference sympathist. <laughs> And, uh, sure. you know, uh, but, but fine, I am. But, but it's to me, it's the games night in, night out. That late conference schedule is special. And it's, 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 it's an awesome thing. Uh, and people show up to the games for a reason. So when, when you, you think about a year ago, maybe it was a year ago or maybe the last year or two, it seemed as though people were trying to put that whole group out to pasture. And I feel as though right now these teams that you just mentioned, really the big three, um, Edina, Minnetonka, and Wyzetta, you know, Eden Prairie is right there too, are as good as they've been. Would you agree with that? Well, for sure this year. I think what you saw last year is that everybody was younger. You know, right. we were predominantly a bunch of sophomores with some with a mixture of older guys. But, um, you know, this year we're predominantly junior led team uh, by age with, with some nice really high-end sophomores and, and, and Ashton Schultz and Danny Clare. So, you know, you throw a couple of those guys in so you can say, hey, we're kind of underclassmen. But at this time of the year, all those kids are kind of playing a year older. So they've been around for a little bit. And I would say Wazetta, Edina, Eden Prairie are all in the same boat. The junior class in the state, uh, not only on the western side, but in the state of Minnesota is really, really strong. And I would say a lot of these teams are kind of led by their, their, their juniors. Um, and, and then they got some really high end seniors that are sprinkled in on all these teams. So that's kind of what I see, um, you know, last year, you can call it a reload or whatever. I don't think our, our league really ever reloads. I think it just kind of goes and then you kind of keep at it. And, 
Uh, sometimes you can be, you know, predominantly a little younger in the Lake Conference and other teams statewide might be older, like you saw last year with Andover and Maple Grove. But, you know, I think our teams, our leagues are getting older again. I think next year is going to be crazier. I think it's going to be, you know, as good as it is this year with these teams. You know, I think we have three in the top five. Uh, I think next year you're going to see even more. I, I think it's going to be even a heavier schedule next year. Final question for you in that regard. How scouted are these teams? I mean, if you could quantify that, because you were on the college side of assessing and looking at players, how much, how many more looks or how many looks do these kids get that maybe they and their advisors don't even understand? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in the last five years specifically, even since COVID, when everything's streamed, you know, anybody can watch your game on any given night. So, uh, you know, but in person, uh, I think to really do your, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's in the scouting world, you got to see kids in person. You got to see them off the puck. You got to see their body language. You got to see their extended compete. The, the, oh, the high school hockey being as good as it's been in, in, as of late. So I think the exposure has been very good. I think the players have gotten a lot of uh, good looks. But the, the bottom line is, you know, you got to play good hockey. You got to play really well. The exposure at this level is as high as it's ever been and I think the level of play has been as high as it's ever been especially since you know COVID what I really like is that um, it seems like the fans have all come back you know yeah. I think we went through a search where it was kind of everybody was watching and everybody was like hey listen we got to go watch Edina Minotaur's title that environment was as fun as an electric and you know I think three weeks ago we played in the TV game and that game was a sold-out record at, at the Plymouth Ice Garden. So, you know, we've been in these games. I think high school hockey right now is, has as much following and is as strong as it's been. It's super fun. I couldn't be more thrilled and proud to be a part of it. And I think our kids are starting to realize that, you know what, I don't have to leave early. I can stick around. I can play high school hockey. I get my junior games in. And then when, when my college opportunity shows up, I'll be ready. I think that's awesome. Goldie, good luck on Thursday. Looking forward to seeing you. Always appreciate your time. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. That's Sean Sean Goldsworthy. He's the coach of the Minnetonka Skippers. More comes up right after this. That's Goldie. Always a good discussion. Let's move on now to Sean Bloomfield. He is the coach of the Chanhassen Storm, and he has guided this team. They've been in and out of the number one spot in the CARE 11, top 11. We really like this team. They play as unselfishly as Minnetonka. They defeated the Skippers 4-1. They did have those two empty netters in that game. So it was a 1-1 game midway through the third period. That's about what we're going to expect to see Mm -hmm. when those two square off later on this week right here on the MNHockey.tv. So let's hear from Bloomfield postgame. Enjoy it, move on. You got a big game coming up. Is that the message? A hundred percent. Yeah, we uh, they celebrated. I want them to enjoy it tonight, but we're still on. We're still playing hockey, so we got to make sure we're taking care of our bodies right away tonight, um, and then all the way through next week as well. So it's exciting. Uh, big things for the program, but there's a lot more work to do, and the guys know that. Let's talk about the program, though. Sure. First day here on yep. semifinal Saturday, maybe for two wins in a row first wins in playoffs. Well, right? yeah, the, the game Tuesday was our first program. Right, so you've yeah. got those. Yeah. And then so you put that into this, and now you're in a section final. How do you quantify what's going on in one year? Um, you know, honestly, it, these guys have all been in big moments like this before. Uh, not necessarily whether it was Bantam single A, Bantam double A, Pee Wee single A, Pee Wee double A. Through those teams, Bantam B1, like these guys have had a successful youth program, not even always at the top level, but they've done playoff runs. They've played at, that's what we talked about this week. Have you ever played at Braemar? 
Of course you have. So have you won at Braemar? Sure. Yeah. Have you made deep runs in playoffs? Sure. So just because the program hasn't done it, these guys believe and understand that they can do it. How much do big games really, really help for like the little kids too though? You know, it starts to become an expectation. Like right. It's just another day at the office. Does that help? For sure it does. Yeah, I think it starts to become the, you know, the, the goal of the program, whether you're in a, you, you, every program's going to have ups and downs, right, over the years. Uh, once you get here, you can make the program be, get to the section semis every year, and then who knows from there, even if you're in a building year. So that's really the goal now, um, and that's an exciting expectation. Do you talk about Gavin Camp and his skating? How he creates so much room just with his legs. Yeah, it's incredible. He, he's uh, he. What's making him better and better and better is he's learning how to pace the game too. So it's not just skate yourself down into the corner with a ton of speed. D at this level are good, so you have to learn how to slow down, speed up, allow your teammates time to catch up too, uh, and, and then you can make things happen as a group. Go ahead, guys. You talked about these kids having played in big moments before, but this is a little bit of a different animal. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to the third and you've got the lead. I wouldn't say you went into a shell, but EP, or, uh, they really had a push. Yeah, we knew they would. I mean, yeah. it, that's what we talked about after the second. It's tough to put a team season away, right? So we knew they were going to give us everything. It doesn't matter how tired they are. doesn't matter if they played yesterday. It doesn't matter if it's the third period. We knew they'd give us everything. So the message uh, during that, you know, the first half of that third period was just keep going. If you're tired, move the puck quicker. Uh, it simplifies the game. Um, and, you know, I, I think we did that. I think we started to settle in. And then, of course, they had power play. So, yeah. How did you regather yourself after giving that up and getting ready for that? I actually kind of think it helped. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, it would have been nice to win one nothing right away and avoid the overtime. But it reminded our guys. We, we say it on the bench. We haven't given up too many leads this year. We've given up a few. And, and whenever we do, it's the message is, well, now you're not holding on anything. Just go play hockey, right? And so that was that was the way they kind of reset their brains, and it, it felt like uh, we had a really strong push the second half, the third period, and then into overtime. The goal, it sounds like it. I didn't really see it very well, but it hit a couple sticks. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think it deflected. I think it was a centering pass, or maybe a shot for a rebound and deflected off a couple guys and went in. Is that what you expect in, in this type of game? Just something gritty and uh, I, not normally, not necessarily, um, but. The way this game was going, both goalies were playing super well, so I figured it'd be something kind of goofy like that. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on it, but it seems like everything's a first now for sure. your program. Um, how do you how do you approach that as far as just the confidence or however you describe the? Yeah, I, <laughs> that's their that's their win song. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, I think a couple things for our next game. Now we've had a game at Braemar, and with a pretty good crowd. I expect it to be even more full on uh, next Thursday. But we're also playing in a familiar opponent on Thursday as well. So in terms of confidence, I think uh, we've gotten that out of the way with this game. Uh, you've had the big stage. Uh, they know all those guys I've been talking to, so, so that helps. And obviously playing them earlier this year. And we know that Minnetonka is going to come to Bram for us, right? We were one of their two losses. So... Uh, we're gonna revel in that and enjoy it, and uh, I think it should be a fun game. A class act is Sean Bloomfield, and uh, he's done a heck of a job. He's got the crutches with the broken fibula. I know. How'd that happen? Did you get the I think story? He on fell that? like an old man, home, even though he's like thirty-two. Home accident? I know he's not. No, he's like in some random parking lot. Fired the lawsuit, the whole thing. Wow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, he's a great guy, and uh, congratulations to both. But the Minnetonka Skippers, I don't know if I've ever had a more difficult game to announce. And I'm not being malicious in any way. That was a hard game to call. Yeah, I, I heard Shock be just 90% of the game in their D zone. Uh, I, I would say that the offensive zone time, I can look it up on TPE, Yeah, and I'll report back on our next broadcast. It had to be anywhere between 9 to 12 minutes per period. Seriously. Mm. And Minnetonka was on the puck the whole time. Uh, they just uh, absolutely, I've never seen anything like it with only three goals. Yeah. And it wasn't like it was a goaltender that was out of his mind. It's just that they would hold the puck for almost two minutes at a time and say, oh, okay, let's go to the net with this one and see. You know, it was, I don't want to say it was like they were toying with them, but because of their skill and their unselfishness, they they were every pass was bang. I want to see their pass completions too. And if I'm the state of Minnesota and they're doing that against a team that's highly regarded, what are they going to – I mean – they're playing very well right now. Yeah. Uh, like, it's good. At, they they look like they could beat a college team that night, unless their opponent wasn't just quite as advertised, perhaps. But they were just that good. Now, you heard that uh, our guy, uh, Patrick Burley, got chirped on the shots. Yeah, tallies. I did. I did, yeah. What'd you hear? Well, you know, I heard that... Uh, you don't have to say, but just... I, yeah, just, just that uh, it was, I believe, 62 shots on goal that got marked down and... Uh, people were saying that, you know, yeah, there were a lot of shots, but it was probably high 40s and that's not 62. There were about 20 a period. Yeah. I, well, we got the video, so we got exclusive rights. Should we count them? <laughs> we can. Guys, Doc, should we count them? We're going to count them. Okay. Uh, so those guys are going to go at it right here on the MN Hockey TV. That is going to be on March 2nd. Uh, we have a, another big game coming up that we'll get into in a minute. And the 3 A STA and Creighton Durham Hall are going 1-2. Yes. Uh, you know, we thought there'd be some pushback from East Two. I did anyway, but they went quietly for nothing. Rosemont fell three to one. I really liked that team, and I thought they had a little more. Uh, they were close. Uh, I thought they had a shot to get to that section final as well. But it was Creighton Durham Hall that finished the deal there. Yep, yep. And so no real upsets there. You know, Park of Cottage Grove though they had a great game to push Eastview to overtime. Maybe that took a little juice away from the Lightning going into their semi, but. You know, definitely shout out to Park. I think between those few teams, I think especially Park and Rosemont, I think we'll look into a couple of years as they continue to grow their programs. I agree. I was really impressed with what Rosemont did this year. Of course, under Ricky Sainty Jr., friend of the program, who uh, we've had on uh, this year. But uh, Chalk and, uh, well, STA, Creighton get their match. Obviously, Creighton hadn't beaten STA for quite a few years until earlier this year when they split. So, they get a rubber match at Braemar. I'm sure that atmosphere is going to be electric. The pioneers of Hill Murray are going to have a little sandpaper that are going to visit them at Alder Arena coming up on, uh, on March 1st. That's going to be the Woodbury Royals. Yes. They have a little bit of grit to their game. Gentry Academy and White Bear Lake, the 1-4, and it's a 3-7. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen this many sevens and you know those types move on in quite some time that's that's pretty impressive the five double a is a very interesting one to me too it's like who wants it on this one but you have champlin park uh and maple grove a very tough gritty matchup there but this one i think is the most intriguing and interesting matchup it's centennial and rogers yeah you're you're not wrong there centennial hasn't been playing great lately but they definitely have the talent to skate with all three of those teams in that section, no doubt about it. 
they're going to need good goaltending, but you know that can always show up timely in in section games. They can score. They can absolutely score. Seven to six win over Maple Grove when yes. they played toward the end of the year. That's real too. In the six double A, it's obviously going to be Edina and Wyzetta. That's a state tournament final. <laughs> I mean, those are two teams that are top five teams. Oh, I mean, 100%. so so leg- legitimately think about this. How brilliant are we? We can bid on any section we want except for seven because that's pretty much WDIO working it for your Grand Rapids Thunderhawks, right? We have the uh, we have what was uh, Tonka? We did one. Who was number two? Wyzetta or Wyzetta was two. Yep. We have like four of the top five teams. Yeah. Playing in their section finals. Thank you. That's dropped. <laughs> dropped the glasses, actually. Yeah, right? But am I right? Yeah. No, absolutely. So that's Two amazing happen. section finals. Who knows what's going to happen with the Dino and Wyzetta. It's not even worth talking about. We're just going to have to play that one out. Um, go ahead and purchase it online. You're not getting in the building. It's sold out. Uh, Andover and it's, if it is, it isn't, it's going to be Andover and Duluth East. You know, I would have expected these teams would have been Andover one, Duluth East two in right? seedings, but you know, what's the seeding, but this is the final we expected. Well, it is. And you know, Duluth East beat them pretty handily in the regular season. So that's doing the heavy lifting there in the seeding. I know Andover played a little tougher schedule, but their records were the same. So, uh, let's drop the puck and let's, uh, let's go. Let's see. Let's Duluth East is going to have to run it back. Can the Rams up end Moorhead? Yes, I, I agree. There, there. You know, there's a lot of expectation on that Rozo team last year. Now this year, it's like, whoa, whoa, right? You know, we were told this is a rebuild, right? Now, now they got a shot to go to the state tournament. That's how it always works. They do, they do have a shot. I will add, uh, Patrick Burley and I saw Moorhead in their final regular season game against Hill Murray. They looked pretty darn good in that game. Real I, solid club. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it here for the Overtime Podcast. Man, we covered a lot of bases here, didn't we? Yeah, and we stuck to high school hockey this time. We didn't even for go the most anywhere part. else. Well, we started out. I brought up Pablo. Pablo. We got Kalen Addison. Joe Ryan last. Just a tiny yes, bit. Joe, but... We got little Kalen Addison. Joe Ryan pitched yesterday Yep. Uh, with his new pitches, his new selections. Yeah, his new slider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what were we calling it? The slurve or the <laughs> splinker? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Encur- encouraging uh, notes about game time too so far in spring training. What are they? Uh, I've seen games down around two and a half hours. Oh, game time. Game yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see. I haven't seen anything what that pitch count clock is going to look like. And uh, Rocco Baldelli had some very positive things. He goes, this is what we, that's what the games used to be when we were young. I know. So something was clearly going on for a half hour that we didn't need to. Yeah. Right. On that note, we're going to bid you do Brandon. This was great. It sure was. Great. Yeah. Who needs who needs Harrington? <laughs> don't let him hear that. Ah, he can hear it. Yeah, I keep him honest. He'll call me ruthless. Oh, that that's a good word. Yeah. yeah he, he does was, like he, ruthless. He goes, you're ruthless. Yeah. Ruthless. Yeah. Hey, he had some funky plan tonight. A date. Oh. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. We'll just say it. <laughs> it is Bachelor Night, right? I don't watch <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> All right. For Brandon Spratt and Glenn Gray, I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody. <laughs>